Hey folks, and welcome to the Delicious Brains podcast. My name is Jonathan. Uh, I will be your host for today. And today I'm joined by Ian Jones, also known as Jonesy. Hi, Ian. How are you Hi, doing John. today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Awesome. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, I jokingly said to, to a friend of mine this morning, it's in the middle of June in Cape Town, so I'm experiencing um, single-digit temperatures, but what you probably know as spring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or summer sometimes. Or <laughs> <laughs> summer sometimes. Awesome. So um, Ian and I are chatting today about something that is quite close to both of our hearts, uh, using a Linux desktop full-time for development. Now, for me, uh, whenever I whenever I join a new company of software developers, uh, especially in the web space, I'm always very nervous because I'm generally the only uh, Linux guy. And I was surprised to discover when I joined Delicious Brains that I was not alone and I had a, a comrade in arms, as it were, with you, Ian. Um, so maybe before we get into some stats, maybe you could give us a, a bit of a backstory about, uh, you know, how you ended up uh, today, you know, working on Linux full time. Yeah, um, so... Um, I've obviously back in the day, uh, when I was, um, starting out, I was on windows, uh, for my desktop. Um, but when I started uh, working professionally after, um, after uni, um, all my work was on, uh, Unix servers. So I was using things like Sco and Deck Alpha stuff and uh, Solaris or SonOS at the time, uh, back in like 1996. Um, <laughs> um, and so day in day out, I was learning uh, Unix and enjoying the way Unix works, um, but using Windows um, as my desktop. Um, and Got interested enough in uh, Unix um, that I started looking around, and things like um, the Computer Shopper magazine would have like Linux distros on them in the early days. Um, I could swear there was one called. Like, I think the first one I ever tried was called FT Linux or something. I've never been able to find anything about it ever again, and it's like disappeared off the face of the universe. Uh, the face of the universe, but yeah, uh, that kind of piqued me interest and I ended up buying uh, Red Hat Linux 5 dot something from Waterstones book, Bookshop um, around about that time. So that was like late 90s. And he was using that alongside Windows um, on my desktop, um, but not really using it full time. Windows was the main thing. Um, but it got me interested in things like um, FreeBSD and OpenBSD. Um, and just exploring different operating systems. I used BOS for quite a bit as well. I uh, really loved that. Um, and then sort of, I think it was coming to, to the end of 2002, early 2003, I'd just had so many problems with my Windows box. And I was just getting fed up with, you know, blue screens and this, that and the other. Um, and the fact that it wasn't... Um, it didn't work in a Unix way, which I'd been by then using for a good, what, 14, 15 years professionally on the server side. Sorry, not, not 14, 15. <laughs> Off by 10 there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're, we're both old, but I don't think we're that old. <laughs> yeah, I keep thinking it was 2013, but no, it was 2003 that I switched um, from Windows to Apple Mac. Uh, so I, um, I ended up buying a Power Mac, um, one of those desktop ones with the, the, it was the nice shiny mirror door version and nice big monitor and all that, like full tilt um, Mac desktop stuff. Um, mainly because it was Unix on the desktop with a nice UI. Um, uh, and I loved it, it was great. It was so good to have um, the underpinnings of well, effectively a BST stack on the you know the Mac kernels and stuff, um, and I've been I've been using that ever since, um, and I still have a Mac to the side of me which is actually turned off, <laughs> so not used been used at the moment, but it's there just in case I need it. Um, so I, I use that, um, and I've had many uh, Mac laptops. Um, and desktops, uh, Mac Minis and iMacs and all these kind of things since then, um, and have been full tilt in Mac. Um, but um, as time progressed, um, I started to feel a little bit 
itchy. <laughs> I kind of kept finding there was problems with macOS that I, I couldn't get over. Um, the quality was not how it used to be um, as time progressed and I found myself fighting with it more than I should when I was trying to do any kind of development. Um, putting in, you know, even with Homebrew, um, I found uh, struggling to get a development set up that was to my liking. Um, and so when it came to 2017 and I needed a new laptop, I kind of begrudged paying the Apple tax <laughs> when I was really enjoying using an Apple so much anymore. Um, and I only needed a laptop as like a, a secondary computer because mm. my desktop, my iMac was fine. Um, so I ended up buying um, a Linux first laptop um, from Entroware, um, uh, which was like half the price of a MacBook Pro and had like better spec and connectivity and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I used I used that basically as a test bed for many types of Linux. Um, and uh, I've still got it, still using it. Um, it is my laptop and I use it, you know, for a couple of hours every day, usually when I'm, when I've finished work um, and it's great. Um, and on that, so on that um, Linux laptop, I tried out all kinds of um, distros. I was bouncing through various ones, um, mostly Ubuntu derivatives and stuff. And just basically getting familiar with the development stack there um, and trying out different ways of developing um, from using just the bare PHP on, on your Linux machine as you would with MySQL and so on to various forms of Docker stuff and that kind of thing. Um, and just getting familiar with it, but still using a Mac as my primary development box for my work. Um, uh, but then... Um, in 2020, so last year, last June-ish, I just basically had enough with macOS. Um, and I was I was trying to use things like um, like a tiling window manager on macOS. Um, and I had it up and running, that's fine. But to install it, you have to like disable the SIP, you know, the system integrity protection stuff and all this kind of stuff. Um, and for various things with homebrew, I was having problems. Um, it was um, dependencies were not working as they should, um, and didn't. It was kind of clashing with various bits and pieces. So I kind of again sort of like right. My iMac's starting to get a little bit slow. It was a 2015 um, one. That's it. I'm going to buy a new 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 machine and I decided to go for um, a another desktop one from Tuxedo Computers, a German Linux um, specialist. Um, and it's a beast of a machine. <laughs> it's like it's uh, you know 12, 12 cores with you know 24 threads AMD um, and you know 128 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> So that nice. I can run as many VMs and Docker instances as I like, because uh, I do all my development now really uh, via Docker and um, stuff like that, um, using Devilbox, mm -hmm. which I was using a lot in Mac as well. I, I switched to that mostly um, away from MAMP, MAMP Pro, which I still used. Um, and it was it's, it's, that's it really I mean that's where I got to I'm, that's what I'm doing now um, I've hardly ever used my Mac because my uh, my Linux machine does everything I need I have um, all the tools I need I have the workflow that I want rather than what is prescribed by Mac OS because I can um, I could change my window manager to whatever I like and I can uh, use whatever um, tools I like um, uh, and it was funny actually when Big Sur came out and I upgraded the iMac to that uh, at Christmas last year um, it was just so irritating that they've like changed the uh, the, uh, the default shell um, to ZSH I think um, 
And when you say like, no, I don't want that. I want my bash, thanks. Um, and you switch it back. And it keeps reminding you that that's not the default show anymore. Really? Every time you log in, it gives you a little notice. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is my machine. <laughs> I would like it to, to run my shell, please. So, yeah. So, and so that's where I am. So for like the last year now, um, because all my tools, like um, I use JetBrains PHP Storm as my IDE. Um, and I use Devilbox for all my my LAMP stack, basically, um, which has got all the nice tools in it. It's got WP CLI installed in it as well, and Laravel bits, bobs, and everything's there. Um, and it's just up and running. Um, and I've been using that for years now. Um, uh, I've not, I've hardly touched the macOS at all. Um, and I don't have any any installs of Windows anywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done for a while. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so and that's me. So that's how I went from you know starting off with uh, the old ye old Unix, and eventually ended up on Linux for everything. Okay. How about you? So what, what what's your story? So so it's interesting that you that you mentioned about switching to to Apple in two thousand and three because around about that time, <clears throat> I had been using Windows for ever. Um, you know, and I think part of part of that was a location-related thing. Um, South Africa being, you know, so far away from the rest of the world, um, Mac wasn't something that was really predominant or used widely. Um, when I when I worked in my first programming position, uh, we we had a we had a networking and, and IT department, and the only clients that used Macs were the high-end advertising agencies who had huge amounts of money to spend. On, on you know those kind of powerful machines for for creating ads and rendering video and that kind of thing. So I switched from from Windows to to Ubuntu or Linux slash Ubuntu at the time, just because probably I wasn't the best coder in the world at the time. Um, I was I was learning PHP on Windows, and so I was creating files that had. Uh, upper and lowercase uh, combinations, but then referring to them as all lowercase in the code because you could on Windows, um, and then uploading those files to the server and things would break because you can't do that on Linux. Um, and so instead of, and it's funny because, you know, me being the kind of person that I was, instead of just forcing myself to always make my files lowercase, I just decided, well, wouldn't it be better to work on a Linux environment? Uh, which will then force me to make things work properly. So if I make a mistake by renaming the file incorrectly, it just won't work. Um, and that's where I started with Ubuntu. So I had, I had a really, I don't know how old it was then, but I had, a, I think it was my first, the first computer that I put together myself, which I think was a Pentium two based something. Um, and I had that floating around, and I think it maybe had. Maybe a four gig hard drive. I don't remember, but something oh, you know ridiculously small. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I managed to get hold of because back then Ubuntu, you could still order the discs. Well, not older, but you could you know request the discs, and they would ship it to you for free. Um, so I got whatever the the distro was at the time, um, installed it on that machine as a server, and then I used that as my development environment. So I was. Uh, I think I think I was I think I had set up a network share. I'd managed to figure out how to do a network share, and so I had that that drive as a network share on my Windows machine, and that's where I did all my work. Um, and then I would have a browser opened up to that IP address, and if I did something wrong, it would break instantly, and I could then fix it instantly, kind of thing. Um, and and that's, so, uh, so that's almost like using a VM as a uh, sorry, like on a, yes, I had like a real world VM basically. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and so, yeah, I ran about that time and, and I, and I often wonder if Apple had been more available, more readily available as a desktop operating system, uh, because as well, back then laptops were, you know, ridiculously expensive compared to desktop. But if I would, if I was able to get hold of an Apple machine, then maybe I would have, you know, done a similar path to you, but it just wasn't something that was easily available to sort of the average person. So I then, you know, used that Ubuntu server forever and a day. Um, and then I went to go and work at a company where the entire company ran off open source software. Um, mm. So all of their servers were Debian. All of their desktops were running Ubuntu. Um, all of their administration software was using PHP and MySQL. 
um, you know, in-house developed uh, applications. And so for the first time, I had somebody or a few people around me in the IT department. It was a very small IT department. There was three developers and two technicians and one server person. But I, I, could, I could comfortably try out Ubuntu on the desktop. And then if I got stuck, I could ask, I could just go, hey, I'm stuck with this, help me kind of thing. Um, and they could guide me through the process. You know, the one guy was running uh, Debian with, I think, the, I think KDE on his, you know, desktop. The other one was running whatever Ubuntu was. They were all running some, some variant of Debian slash Ubuntu. So if I got stuck with a driver problem or something broke or I couldn't find something, I could just reach out and, and they would help me. And that started my my journey onto you know working with with Ubuntu. Um, and I got so I got so used to just being able to easily do whatever the server could do. So installing whatever software was on the server. If I if the server had FFmpeg and I needed to install it, I could just install it and use it in exactly the same way as I would on the server that it got to a point where all the things that I that I hate slash dislike, whatever you want to call it, about Ubuntu are not overridden by that one thing. You know, my, my day-to-day job developing software for the web is so much easier on a Linux machine that I can overlook all the other things um, that, that are, in inverted quotes, wrong about it. Um, because trying Windows, even even with Docker, even with uh, you know WAMP and, and all of those things, it was just just for the development part. It was just never as good as being on you know an Ubuntu machine or a Linux machine. Um, I went to for about two years. I, I contracted at a company before I became a freelance WordPress developer, and they were all on Windows, and I was I was required to use Windows, and it was it was a nightmare. It was just, I, I just I I hate. We were using Zen Server back then. This had a community edition of Zen Server that we installed and used locally, and that was just horrible. And I was just pining to go to go back to Ubuntu. So the first thing that I did when I left that company and went freelance was I just wiped my laptop with Windows that had Windows on it, and I reinstalled Ubuntu, and I was happy again. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that that was me, and that has been me now full time for the last um, I'd say five years. Um, I recently purchased a MacBook. Air, the new M1 chip. Yeah, I was um, about to ask about that. <laughs> which, which was an interesting experience. Um, I, I've never experienced the the environment up till now, so I can't I can't compare what it was like when you first tried it. Uh, but I did see somebody comment um, on social media the other day that he's been developing on on a Mac for twenty years, and it just seems like Apple is making it harder and harder and harder to use. Mac OS as a development environment. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who's just discovered it, the again, the amount of hoops that I had to jump through, I, I'm just ignoring the ZSH thing. I'm, I'm just going to ignore that because I was going to try and switch to Bash, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm just going to leave that as it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very know, old version of Bash that's on there as well, I see. That's, that's why you you're know, doing it. The hoops that I had to jump through just to get to a point where I could, I could set up a simple WordPress site to be able to test something locally. Um, I've now ended up just installing local WP because it's just, it's, it's just going to make my life easier and I don't have time to mission with all these things. Um, so it's an interesting experience because, you know, for, for my work, I need access to kind of all three environments. Um, and I need to be able to, for example, if we're testing out some kind of virtualization, I need to have a bare metal machine to then install that software to then virtualize the CPUs and whatever else and make sure it's doing what it should be doing. So I'm enjoying it from that point of view, getting used to what people are dealing with and you know how, how Apple developers have it and how Linux developers have it and, and all that kind of thing. But I just come back, I come back to, and for me, it's more Ubuntu than Linux really, but I come back to Ubuntu like uh, you know an old comfortable jersey. Um, you know, it keeps me warm. And that's all it needs to do. And I don't care that it's got some marks on it and it's got a few holes in it, but it does what it needs to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, and, it's, and it's true what you were saying before, the fact that you use in Linux um, as your deployment um, server, you know, being able to just use Linux on the desktop and be fully um, immersed in the way that you manage your box in the same way, using the same tools, the same shell commands all the time, day in, day out. You just you sort of just um, absorb all this knowledge. 
you know, just from, you know, bit by bit, day by day, that you then, you know, just, it's just easy when you're on the server and you're like, oh, I just need to do such. And you've, you've done it a million times. It's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in your in your opinion, we've discussed some of these things now, but in your opinion, what, what are the benefits? You know, why have you, have you stuck with Linux? Why are you using it now day to day? Um, you know, we've spoken about the server already uses Linux, so there's nothing there. But what else can you think of? You know, if somebody came to you tomorrow and said, Ian, you know, I'm on a Mac, I'm on Windows, I'm thinking about switching to Linux, you know, sell, sell me. <laughs> yeah, well, first, it is def definitely true that first and foremost, if you're deploying to Linux day in, day out, why aren't you using Linux day in, day out? You really should. We've talked about that over and over. Um, but you also, um, you will find that most development tools, um, especially the command line stuff, is built Linux first. It's developed on Linux. It's usually built with um, Linux tools. And then it's like, oh, okay, we better do a Mac OS and a Windows version. Uh, so you'll find that um, a lot of tools run better or more consistently and more bug-free on Linux in most cases. Um, and you'll, you know, as because it's generally um, in the Linux world, it's open source and it's easy to then get help um, and contribute back if you want to as well. Um, or fix that little thing that, you know, niggles you or add that little feature. Um, when it comes to um, setting up your development environment, if you're into the Docker uh, and containers, um, so Docker and LXD containers are very efficient um, on Linux because it's it's totally ingrained. It's like they use the same kernel. They're not having to spin up a whole VM um, as a background for the container. Um, it is a container. It is not a VM. Um, so it's way more efficient, way faster. Um, uh, then you have things like um, your your sort of development flow and the way that you manage your Windows and so on. Um, very customizable in Linux. There's like a, a million different window managers and desktop environments, um, and you can just experiment and find what you like. But um, eventually you'll find something that just kind of mostly fits your needs, and you can just do a little tweak here and there. Uh, usually there's settings um, uh, that makes it very um, easy to customize those little things that you know, you just think, oh, just wish it, and yes, you can. Um, whereas, you know, things like macOS and Windows, it's you're fighting it. You usually have to install a new application to help you manage this, that, and the other. Whereas on Linux, not so much, um, although you can in some places. Um, and on Linux, um, you don't have there's there's far less of that barrier that there used to be of um, you can't get the app. <laughs> oh, but I True. need this. Well, in, in these days, most things are built with Electron or whatever. Um, and so there's so many cross-platforms. So you've, you've got your Slack, you've got your JetBrains IDEs, you've got your VS Code. You've got all these apps that are cross-platform in their way. They're built and they're first-class citizens in that respect, as much as a you know cross-platform is on Linux as well. So you're not going to be missing out on the... on a good portion of the big apps that you'll use day to day. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. We will. Uh, <laughs> um, and the way that you get your apps um, is far simpler on Linux. Well, I say that um, you do have the Mac OS um, App Store if, if you buy into that kind of thing. Um, but um, on Linux, for I mean, since the start, you've had this idea of a repo, a repository of applications and a store type uh, scenario, um, which, you know, Windows and macOS have now adopted as well. Um, but it's ingrained into Linux. Um, and so you're quite, you'll get very comfortable with doing apt install this that and the other or snap install or flatpak install i guess i don't i don't really use flatpaks but yeah um and then um and that leads me on to the other thing is where it used to be a problem with people used to complain about the fact that you'd have like um a different package format for one set of distros like you would have the dot debs for a 
Debian and Ubuntu and all that lot. And then you'd have the RPMs and whatnot for uh, the Red Hot, Red Hat um, kind of slew of things. And then you'd have a different format for the, the Arch Linux and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, there's um, there's been quite a um, movement in the last few years to kind of um, consolidate on a on some cross-platform package formats. Um, so you have Snaps and Flatpak and AppImage. Um, uh, so they, you'll find that not only open source, but also proprietary um, applications um, from like the big players will be delivered through Snaps and Flatpaks and stuff as well. So you can get all the tools you want, generally, um, on your Linux desktop. Um, so you're basically not, you, you should find uh, that you can do all the work in the environment you enjoy and you use day in, day out on the server um, and have all the tools that you need to do it. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned about the fact that, you know, applications um, are, are becoming, you know, electron-based and cross-platform and all that kind of thing. I saw probably one of the best implementations of that recently with the one password application for Linux. Um, it's yeah, an elect it. it's an electron built app with I think a React front end and, uh, and mm. Python or Ruby or something Rails. I can't remember on the back end. But it is the one of the nicest, most efficient, most effective Linux applications I've probably installed in a long time. And if that's the way people can build applications for Linux going forward, it it's really exciting. Um, you know, when, when the Slack when the Slack app first came out, there were there were some problems. Uh, when the Zoom app first came out, there were some problems. But this thing, and and I think the reason for that is they really took their time to make sure it was a great user experience. Um, I installed when when they launched it. I installed the app. It integrated instantly with my browser extension. It integrated instantly with my system. I basically have it set up now that I log in once in the morning. Um, and then it's tied to my my Ubuntu login, um, so I only have to remember that login when it you know um, locks it when the machine locks and those kind of things. So that means I don't have to remember multiple master passwords and all that kind of thing. If I'm in an application, it just picks up and auto uh, fills those details. If I'm in the browser, it just picks up and it just works and it works amazingly yeah. well. Um, yeah, so, so that's come on up. I've been using one password for well for years, um, and when uh, that was the big one of the biggest sticking points when I switched from macOS yes. to Linux was how do I manage your passwords? But one of the things um, that happened around about that time was one password released the um, uh, extension for Firefox and Chrome, uh, yes. like one password X or whatever it was called at the time, and in, in a beta form. So I was straight on in that and using that. And it worked really well. Um, and I saw I've been using that extension on Firefox and Chrome and Chromium uh, ever since. Um, and I was also like a beta tester for that, um, the desktop version as well. Oh, it's nice. fantastic. It's, it works really well. It's really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing for me about, about Linux, um, and, I, and I should also say that I'm, I'm going to use the term Linux and Ubuntu interchangeably because that's my you know, <laughs> choice of distro. Linux uh, so is I, Ubuntu to you. Yeah. yeah. So I apologize to the to the purists out there. And I know that you know Linux is actually not an operating system. It's a kernel. I do know that. Um, but I, yeah. I tend to use the terms interchangeably. Um, but the thing that I love about it is, is, and it's what you spoke about earlier, the ability to be able to just do what I want to do with my operating system. Um, the ability to to configure it to a way that suits me and my style and not have to force myself to suit the operating system style. Um, I'm sure for many people and, and many people who have been using Windows or, or Apple OS or Mac OS, whatever it's called for, for so many years, they're comfortable with it and I respect that. But I need to have control over my operating system. I need to be able to, as you said earlier, change the shell to whatever suits me. Um, you know, I want to be able to install any kind of window manager, install any kind of whatever, try things out, fiddle with things. If I fiddle with the things and break them, that's on me. Um, and I'm and because I'm a bit of a techie and a developer, I'm okay with that because I can then go back in and fix things. Um, well, it's even what, fun sometimes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and what I what I do find interesting about about the the environments, um, and I didn't mention this earlier because I want to kind of just get into it now, is that 
If you look at the JetBrains uh, dev ecosystem survey from last year, and you look at the Stack Overflow developer survey from last year, hmm. on Stack Overflow, um, almost as many developers are using a Linux-based operating system as Mac OS. We've got 26.6 using Linux, 27.5 using Mac, and 45.8 using Windows. Um, on the JetBrains survey, the numbers are a bit weird because they don't add up, but you've got 60% using Windows, 50% using Linux, and 44% using Mac OS. Um, I'm not sure how that totals to 100. But yeah, it's, it's um, a different, different question. Yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of thing. But it is interesting because I'm seeing a lot more people um, you know, in, my, in my social networks and that kind of thing either trying Linux, uh, have tried Linux, have been using it for a while, you know, some form of Linux OS. Um, and, and one of the reasons that, that they say that they've switched is because they like, they like to be able to configure things the way they want it. Um, so if you're the kind of person, I believe, if the kind of person that doesn't like to fight with your operating system, um, and especially the, the changes and the improvements that have been made to the different distributions over the course of the last 10 years, um, and you'd like to be able to configure things to suit you, Linux is a, is a great option. Um, and the other thing I like about it is the fact that I'm working on an open source environment, which in my opinion means it's more secure because there's more people looking at the code and using the code. There's less chance of some weird tracker being installed by the company who manages the operating system because somebody will probably pick it up and flag it. Um, you know, for those of you who are Linux diehards and are following the recent Audacity situation, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and as you say, there's more opportunity to, for you to get involved and fix things and change things and, and, and improve it. So it, it kind of works well with the fact that I, I write code using an open source language for, open source, for an open source CMS slash with an open source uh, framework. It makes sense to also you know, make my operating system open source. It kind of ties in nicely with my, with my ethos of, of how software should, should be. Yeah. Um, I mean, what you say there about the it being um, everything being open source and therefore being uh, more secure uh, because there's more eyes on it um, and there's more. That's a big deal in the Linux community. Um, people are very conscious of the privacy problems that are happening with Windows and macOS and the way that they track so much. Um, uh, some people are just a little bit OTT on <laughs> on that kind of. Um, idea, but uh, there is definitely a concern, and especially if you're working on something which is um, maybe you know sensitive work uh, for mm. a large company or where it's you know privacy concerns with the data that you're handling, you may want to be a little bit careful about your desktop environment too. Mm, absolutely. So it's funny. Um, I won't mention their names, but I was having a chat with a member of our team about this conversation. Um, and, and that person said, maybe we should moderate you two Linux nerds. Um, <laughs> because obviously we're going to be positive about Linux. We're going to talk about what's great about Linux, but we have to be objective. We have to, anybody listening who's thinking about switching, we have to talk about the dark side. Um, <laughs> so, so let's talk about the disadvantages. We've discussed some of them in, 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 in this chat so far, but let's talk about some of the disadvantages. Uh, what do you see as, as the downside to working with Linux today? Yeah, I mean, with any desktop environment, you're going to have some things that you're just not happy with. Um, so I think for me, the biggest issue um, I have at the moment is that some of the um, applications just aren't as mature and advanced as some that you get in the proprietary world for macOS and Windows. Uh, namely things like um, the alternatives to the Affinity Photo or Adobe Photoshops of this world. Um, you have um, GIMP, um, which is uh, pretty good actually, um, and it suits all my needs. Um, but, and there's plenty of professionals that are using it these days, but it's still not there in comparison to the Affinity Photo and Adobe Photoshops in, um, in what it can and can't do. Um, so, and then you have the, um, the, the vector version of that um, so in the Linux world the big player there is Inkscape which is great again I use that day in day out um, but my needs are relatively simple compared to things like Affinity Designer and Adobe Illustrator which are fantastic um, full-blown uh, feature-rich applications that are available on macOS and so on um, so they, they can be a little bit um, troublesome and there's there are other areas where um, 
Linux is doing really well, um, such as uh, video editors has got them coming out of its ears, um, and there's some really good ones there. Um, I use uh, Shotcut uh, myself, which is really good, um, but compared to like the professional world of the Apple side of things, um, it's, it is different, um, and you may have to learn a few new things if, you, if you're switching from there. Um, OBS I use um, uh, almost daily these days uh, when I do my little YouTube thing, um, which is first-class citizen on um, Linux, and it works very, very well. Um, that's one of the sort of the great apps that's uh, open source and built Linux first. Um, but uh, so things are getting better, um, as you know, you see like. Um, Every new release of GIMP and Inkscape is better and better. Um, there was a recent um, update to Inkscape, which is really nice. Um, uh, really enjoying that. Um, but yes, there's definitely work to be done on some of the more professional side of things. Although, you know, we have things like PHP Storm and Goland and all that kind of stuff, which I use um, and are fantastic and work just the same as they do everywhere else, you know? How about you? Where where do you see problems in the Linux world? So it's it's interesting um, because when you and I put together this this the idea for this podcast, um, I actually didn't have a very long list. And then I purchased the MacBook, and then I started using it, and then I started comparing, you know, using the Mac and, and using Linux. Um, and I realized. <clears throat> that first and foremost, some of the default applications that you might have installed on a distribution, simple things like the video player or the audio player, mm. um, are not anywhere near as good as what might be available on, on an Apple device or on a Windows machine. Um, that having been said, I have installed as my, as my video player VLC on every single operating <laughs> system because I just think that's the best um, open source player out there and it is just a great you know, player. But... When I'm, when I'm on a Windows machine, a keen Windows machine, and I just play a, you know, an MP4 or whatever, I just enjoy that experience more than I do with the default video player on my Ubuntu installs. Um, and the same with the audio players. The audio player is just a little bit better, a little bit more polished. Um, Rhythmbox on Ubuntu is just awful, <laughs> um, in, in, in my opinion. And not, not the functionality, just, just the, what it looks like. Um, then in terms of in terms of you talk about um, Obstudio, that's an interesting one because what, what my experience there was that while Obstudio is, and I agree, it's a first-class citizen on Linux, um, it does have a little bit of a lag sometimes with the feature set. Um, so, for example, the, the Windows and Mac versions had the virtual camera option um, mm -hmm. approximately about six months to a year before the Linux version did. Um, so, so I just, I was basically, I had to find a workaround to get the virtual camera to work um, until the the official feature was was in, you know was included in the Linux version, um, the rest of it all worked amazingly well. That feature set just took a bit longer for whatever reason. I don't know if it was a mm. a developmental reason or a restriction. I, I can't go into the details. So, but, so that but wasn't a packaging issue because I, I use the Snap version of OBS. Um, so it could have that, been that. Yeah. yeah, it could have been the version that I was installing from sort of the default repos. Um, didn't have, you know, it wasn't updated yet or something. It's very possible. Maybe. I don't know. And that, I don't use that feature though. So, yeah. But that brings up a good point because, again, it goes back to if the version that you're using isn't 100%, you can probably find a community managed version that has more up to date features or whatever mm. the case may be. Um, then, more recently, and, and we talk about, you know, GIMP and Affinity and Inkscape and all those kind of things, um, I. When I started at Delicious Brains, one of the processes that we went through was formalizing how we take screenshots for articles and what, what annotations we use. Um, and there's a Mac app that, that the folks on Mac are using, I can't remember the name of it now, that creates an arrow in a specific way that, that we all really liked. And I cannot find to this day, I cannot find an app that will give me that same style and shape, except for an extension that I have in my browser, which is great, so I can do it in my browser, but that extension doesn't allow me to change the colors um, of the arrows. So I have to take the screenshot with a red color and then open it up in GIMP and change the colors. Um, so it's a bit of a hacky workaround. Um, and, and it always reminds me that when we talk about the types of applications, as a, 
as a developer, as a programmer, as a person who's mostly writing code, um, if you're talking about in the WordPress space, as we are mostly working on plugins, Linux is you can't go wrong. You'll never struggle with, with finding the right applications. Mm. If you're somebody building sites for clients and you have to deal with taking visual assets and converting those visual assets into HTML, CSS, and you need to have some application to load up those assets, sometimes, as you mentioned, you know, the, the Affinity Photo and, and Illustrator and those things, the clients are sending you those formats, so it's just going to be easier if you're loading things into, into applications that will just handle whatever is being sent to you. Um, GIMP has come a long way. I stopped using GIMP. I hate saying that name on, on a podcast, no. but I stopped using the software um, a number of years ago because it was just horrible. And then about a year and a half ago, I just loaded it up for some reason. I can't remember why, and I was amazed at how far it has come. Um, so I'm excited about how that will you know change going forward um and and that to me that to me is is the one major advantage disadvantage is sometimes the the focus of of the applications and the support um is is very let's call it technically minded uh, developer programmer coder focused yeah. um so so sometimes the more designer um type applications working with vectors working with graphics um, are, are just I wouldn't say better, but they're just they're 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 marketed to designers and and end users better. Um, so people tend to use them, which means as a person who has to work with those those resources, you need to have the software that those folks are using. Being open source, Linux applications don't have a marketing department, um, so they can't convince customers to to use the product more and get more feedback. You know, if yeah. if you're not somebody using that software and giving feedback to improve it, then then you're not going to see those improvements. Yeah, and um, because the, um, the Linux desktop is still a, a very small proportion of the desktop uh, computers out there, um, you don't get the proprietary ones. Um, yes. You know, making the effort to port to Linux and then do the marketing <laughs> to then boost it. So it's you know catch twenty two there, unfortunately. Absolutely. And then and then finally, um, you know, the power management on laptops um, that that's always been something that that I've known about, and you know, I think it's down to. It, 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 I don't know the reason why, but I know any Windows laptop that I buy and I test the, the, the battery life on Windows before I then install Ubuntu and then I test the battery life again, I'm going to get a reduction in how long it stays running um, on that battery. Um, I don't know what the reason is. There are Again, there are things that you can install to improve that, but it's never 100% the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say to anybody who is switching, and that's why the, that's why the the title of this podcast is using the Linux desktop. Um, yes. To anybody who is switching, if you're thinking about trying it on a laptop, just know that you're not going to get, I mean, you know, Apple products are known for having an amazing battery life and that's because it's all integrated and they control everything and that's and that makes sense. Um, you know, installing, installing Linux on a Windows laptop, you're not going to get the rated battery life. I don't know what the experience is like buying a laptop from a manufacturer that has it pre-installed and sort of configured for Linux or for mm. some Linux distribution. Um, that probably will be better because they're actually, you know, places like System76 and those kind of guys are probably selecting the right hardware and making sure that everything works as, as efficiently as possible. Um, but if you're if you're choosing to, to install um, an, a Linux OS on an existing laptop, just know that you might not get the full rated battery life. Yeah. When I bought my tuxedo um, one, it came with um, a like, control panel that helped you um, manage the power and stuff, even though it was a desktop one. But it was obviously something they, they have for the laptops as well. Um, do you have any other problems with um, hardware compatibility and stuff on Linux? So hardware compatibility is an interesting one because I remember a time where you had to be very careful about what hardware you purchased. Um, there was a stage where, and, and myself being a gamer, there was a stage where there was trouble with the NVIDIA drivers um, because NVIDIA just wasn't being open with their, with their open source drivers. Uh, if, you want to, if you want to see uh, uh, Linus Torvalds give NVIDIA the finger, you can go and see that on YouTube. Um, but, but these days, um, it generally works well. Generally, anything that I've installed Ubuntu on I've not had major problems. Um, 
my current workstation that I that I put so I, I've been enjoying building computers since I can remember, and so I've always built my own machines. I've never bought an off the I lie. Once I bought an off the shelf um, computer, and then added more stuff to it over time. But otherwise, I build everything from scratch. It's like my hobby. I don't I don't uh, restore cars. I build computers. Um, <laughs> So my current workstation I built at the end of 2020. Um, it's an AMD system because I am an AMD fanboy. Um, it has a motherboard that was launched, I think, two months previously because I wanted to be ready. It's got PCI Express 4 support. So I wanted to be ready for the next generation of SATA drives and, and, and CPUs and all that. But then I bought a current generation um, hard drive and, and CPU. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, I don't know what it is. Every now and then, it'll just, after an update, I'll just lose my network driver and have to reinstall my network driver. Um, And that's because I'm running Ubuntu 20, think about this, I'm running 2010 at the moment. And the kernel that shipped with 2010 doesn't have the driver support for my my network card. Uh, So I had to to find the driver off the Realtek site, manually install it, and then every now and then it just loses it and I have to reinstall. So that's fine for me. Yeah. So... That reminds me of like the the problems I used to have in the Windows days, where you had to download a driver and install it, and exactly. then it go wrong. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And so, my, so that's fine. My daughter fine. just this last few weeks has had exactly the same problem on her Windows laptop. It keeps it keeps breaking because the network driver just keeps going away. <laughs> yeah. So as you say, it's not a it's not a problem unique to Linux. It's a problem that has gotten better with Linux, but it still happens with slightly more modern hardware. And I mm. and I do know that if I was on Ubuntu uh, twenty oh four LTS, I wouldn't have the problem because that would get more up to date kernels and therefore the drivers and all that kind of thing. Um, and it's fine for me as a technical user. Um, you know, I just I just you know open up the thing and run the auto run script and it all installs and it's fine. Um, the other area that I've that I've just that I've sort of struggled with hardware is is peripheral co- uh, compatibility. Um, and this is kind of a unique situation to me. I I use uh, gaming level uh, keyboards and mice, uh, a because I'm a gamer, and b because I just enjoy the experience, the smoothness, the comfort level. Um, and and on the the Logitech uh, keyboard and mouse set that I bought recently, it's a very low end um, fake mechanical keyboard. Um, there was no official software to control the RGB colors behind the on on the backlit of the keyboard. Uh, backlight, should I say? Now that's not really Ubuntu's problem or Linux's problem. That's more Logitech's problem for not having that software. Um, but but the compatibility there is not a hundred percent. I had to go and find some third party, uh, you know, community thing that I had to install and, and manage. Interestingly, that's the set that I have at home. At work, I have a uh, Cooler Master set, which works out of the box, no problem. Um, and, and I don't have to install any third-party software and, and it all just works the way it should because all of the control of the color schemes is through the keyboard, not through software. Um, so again, I can't blame Ubuntu for that. That's Logitech making things work through their software and they just don't have any Linux software for it. But that is something I would just say to somebody when you're buying peripherals, um, make sure that they that they work you know, on whatever operating system you're using. Interestingly, my logi- I'm a bit of a Logitech nerd as well, so excuse me, but my Logitech webcam works perfectly on my, on my Ubuntu desktop and doesn't work great on my MacBook. Um, so I installed, when I, when, I, I, when I first got the MacBook, I used it for a week. I tried to use it for a week as my main workstation just to experience it. And the, the, key, uh, sorry, the camera quality was awful. I was trying all manner of changing settings and installing Logitech software to get it to work, and I couldn't. Came back to Ubuntu. I mean, you can see me clear as day now. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So it does just depend on on the peripherals that you buy. Some some might have some some difficulties. Some might not. But other than that, hardware wise, um, there was a stage where you had to be very careful. Last couple of years, I've just bought whatever I I wanted, and it's all just worked. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Um, I've not really had any problems with hardware at all with Linux at all. Um, in fact, um, I. My, I have a ScanSnap um, scanner that I've had for years and years and years, and it was like a Mac version, um, and it doesn't work with Mac anymore because <laughs> you know over the time they've they've not released any new drivers for it and whatever. But for Linux, plug it in; it's recognised, it's working straight away, no problem. Um, and the same thing um, with um, the webcam I've got, um, which is um, a Razer thing, um, just. 
straight out of the box works no problem keyboard um, track uh, uh, boards fine everything just works for me I've not really had any problems and I, d I think as you said that's just the way things have been going recently it's uh, the compatibility has just got to that stage now where it's genuinely not an issue with the new and new like the brand new stuff that hasn't quite made it into the kernel or whatever or the drivers haven't been released um, you might have some problems but if you just you know wait a couple of months it's there <laughs> you know so you know just just wait just save a few more pennies and <laughs> and, with, uh, but, and with the yeah. price of hardware these days you might want to wait anyway <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know um, we, we're both running our AMD um, uh, boxes and stuff, but uh, Intel have um, really been pushing forward with compatibility big time, um, and they have their own Linux distro which is super fast and optimized for their hardware. But all those changes, you know, they end up in the kernel. You know, they're all upstreamed and everything. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's doing doing quite good at the moment, I think, for hardware compatibility. Absolutely. What I'm what I'm also seeing, which is quite interesting, is I'm seeing hardware manufacturers um, supporting Linux better. So Dell, for example, is a, is a is a great example. Some some of their developer laptops ship with Ubuntu, mm -hmm. um, and the Asus ZenBook that I had before I, I bought the MacBook, um, I wanted to install the latest version of Ubuntu, whatever it was at the time, and I was getting an issue trying to boot into the installer went onto the ASUS website and they had a BIOS update, which was specifically for um, that version of Ubuntu support. So I just installed the BIOS update and it all just worked flawlessly. Um, and that laptop I used for a good two, three years with absolutely no problems, no issues with hardware, software, it just worked like a dream. Um, so I'm enjoying the fact that the, the hardware manufacturers are also seeing that more and more people are using, using Ubuntu use, or using Linux, some version of Linux. Um, and, and making things happen there. Um, I've already, I've already, you know, mentioned that Ubuntu is my favorite distribution. Um, I cut my teeth on Ubuntu as a server, then switched to the operating system. Um, I've, I've tried installing a couple of Ubuntu derivatives like Pop OS and Elementary OS. Um, and the problem, the problem that I that I cause for myself there is I install them because I plan on using them as my main machine. And then I find things are a bit difficult. And I'm like, if I spend time on this, I'm not going to spend time working. So I switch back to that old, warm, comfortable black, uh, uh, jersey. Um, but, I, but I've got some leave coming up and I, I need to take this machine home and give it a bit of a clean. I want to install Pop! OS on there for the week and kind of figure out all those differences so that when I bring it back to the office you know, after the week, then I can actually start using it. Um, what, what is your favorite, favorite distribution at the moment? So at the moment, uh, it's elementary, um, elementary OS. Um, so this this box is uh, running elementary OS 5, uh, which is the current stable release, but I'm testing um, the new one uh, in, in the VM and stuff. Um, but I, I got there. I mean, that was one of the first ones I, I installed on my laptop um, uh, and used for a while and then I started just checking out various ones. I used Solus and I used Nix for a good while. I used that for almost a year on the laptop actually, uh, Nix OS, um, which is a strange beast, um, but you know, very interesting. Um, but eventually I came back when I wanted just um, a stable, uh, clean, easy to use um, distribution that just, and there's built on the Ubuntu base, um, I came back to elementary. Um, so that's that's definitely my favorite at the moment. I have tried out PopOS and that's very nice as well. And I do like the way that they're doing like the new tiling stuff in their new uh, desktop environment and so on. So that's very interesting. I'm keeping an eye on that. Um, but at the moment, I, I just I just use elementary and I keep coming back to it because it's it's, you know, it just does the job for me and I can make some very small tweaks to it. And I'm there. I don't have to. I've tried all the different things, uh, the different environments and you can Put anything you like on it, like KDE or whatever, if you want. But I do like the uh, the Pantheon uh, desktop that they use, and it's just does the job. Excellent, excellent. And then, if we talk about applications, um, you know, do you have do you have any favorite applications that you would recommend to, to folks to use? Uh, well, there's an obvious one that I have to mention, which is Snippet Pixie, <laughs> because that's my app. <laughs> Uh, and I use it day This podcast day. brought to you by Snippet Pixie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's basically um, a text expander. Um, like, you know, you've probably used some, uh, well, 
you probably won't have used it on macOS, but lots of people listening to this might have used something like Text Expander on macOS to um, have a bunch of snippets that you just use day in, day out, that you just type a little bit and it expands to whatever you want. Um, so yeah, when that was one thing that was kind of missing when I switched to uh, Linux um, was a good solid text expander. There's, there was a couple of things that didn't quite work for me. So I built my own. Um, as you do and <laughs> uh, so and that's been a labor of love for the last few years um, and I, uh, I I couldn't really live without it so that's probably my favorite um, but I guess um, otherwise I would be lost without um, the JetBrains IDEs um, and on the command line I guess it would be Tmux is I, I love Tmux uh, for for uh, having my uh, terminal split up into its different panes and this, that, and the other. I couldn't do without that. How about you? Have you got a favorite app? So, so for, yeah, for me, I mentioned earlier VLC. I mean, this is not specifically a Linux app, but VLC is just, you know, in my opinion, one of the best um, video players out there. Um, and then an app that I discovered a number of years ago. So I was I was looking for something. It's just before I really discovered uh, Ob Studio. I was just looking for something simple to record very quick screencasts to share with with the team. Um, and I found an app called Simple Screen Recorder. And it literally is just that. It's a simple screen recorder. Um, I use it. You fire it up. Uh, it has a bunch of presets that you can just accept the defaults of. So you just click next, 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 hit record, record your thing, save, and you're done. Um, it, it's one of those apps that it just does what it says on the box, and it does what it says on the box really, really well. So even though I use um, OBS for most of my screencasts and if I'm if I'm recording videos with tutorials and that kind of thing, if I just need a 30 second or a one minute clip that I'm sending to somebody, um, simple screen recorder is my default um, because it's, it's just it just works. It just works, and I use <laughs> I use it as well. Um, I use it when yeah. you, you see in our Slack channel occasionally. I, I do a little update on what I've been working on, and I show a little video thing. It's simple screen recorder. I use it's easy. Yeah, it just works. Cool. So now we've 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 um, we've gushed about Linux. We've we've shared our love for the operating system. If, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they are either a Windows or a Mac user, and I know there are a few of them out there. I've seen people saying, I'm thinking about switching to Linux. I'm, I'm not sure. What would you recommend to somebody who is who is in that position? They want to try Linux out. How would you recommend they go about it? I would recommend the way I went, which was um, when I was still on Mac OS, um, I just downloaded an ISO for one or more Linux distributions and just ran it in VMware or Parallels or VirtualBox um, and just played with it on the side. I just had it run in there um, as a desktop environment version um, and would just try out different things. So every now and then I would be, you know, I'd configure the mail program and see whether that worked and this and try out different things. So basically just try them out in a VM first um, see what you like what you don't like what works what doesn't work what apps are there that you do that you need um and then just try for, for some period see if you could go like a day or two just using that vm you know as long as you've obviously provisioned it big enough and just you know have a play enjoy it you know just and at some point i i reckon after you've been playing with it for long enough you'll start to like um, begrudge going back to your Windows or your Mac OS desktop and you'll, you'll start pining for installing it on hardware and you'll eventually go, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> How Absolutely. about you? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I would I would definitely not, not suggest the way I went um, because that was very specific to my environment. I would agree, um, you know, install it on a, on a virtual environment. I mean, these virtual environments these days are amazing. VirtualBox is probably one of the easiest. Um, and you can configure VirtualBox to run at full screen as if it's your current desktop and just use it. Um, so I would definitely definitely recommend trying it that way. And as you say, try, try and do some work on it, try and get used to it, give it, give it a try. Um, for me, it would be more about where would you go for help? Um, so if you're somebody who's not surrounded by people using Linux, um, I would recommend trying to find those kinds of people, try and find people who use it. Uh, for me, having... Having people around me every day who I could just shout for help for and say, hey, I'm stuck. How do I do this? 
was was very beneficial. So once you're trying it, surround yourself by people who are using it, who are comfortable with it, um, you know, uh, and, and get get help from them. Um, mm-hmm. Where would you recommend people go if they if they need help or if they're trying to figure out how Linux works? Yeah, same. Uh, if you're if you're trying out various uh, Linux distros um, and you're having any issues with that, all of the Linux distros. Um, have forums and wikis and things like that. There's plenty of help. Um, the Arch Wiki in particular is good if you're doing um, any kind of real low-level configuration. If you're really diving into something, um, but generally um, you won't you won't struggle to find something from a Linux distro's website. Um, you'll find the community basically off of that. Lots of them have um, like real time real time um, like chat with Slack, Telegram, Matrix, Reddit. Um, there's quite a lot of um, Linux communities in Reddit, um, so you shouldn't find a, you'll be able to find like a community that will help and answer questions, no problem. And there's things like the um, Ubuntu Answers, um, which is uh, kind of like a Stack Overflow type thing. Um, and there's you know obviously uh, various Stack Overflow offshoots, um, you know Stack Exchange things for different distros as well. Hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So for me, for me as a person who came from Windows and went to Unix, um, there wasn't a lot of, let's say, difference in the way I used things like keyboard shortcuts and how the mouse worked and where the start button was and that kind of thing, because Ubuntu was very similar to Windows back then. Um, you've had more experience as a Mac user um, and the differences that I've recently discovered. So for, for somebody switching from from Mac or Windows, are there any tips or tricks or gotchas that you think would be useful for them to know as they're as they're trying out um, a Linux operating system? Yeah, um, the first one you'll obviously um, hit if you're coming from macOS um, is the control versus command. Uh, so obviously on Mac, it's a, a command key, which is quite close um, to things like um, the CMV on my keyboard. Whereas on control, uh, when, on, when you switch to Linux, it's more like the Windows uh, kind of setup. Um, and it was it was funny when I switched from macOS to uh, Linux. I've forgotten um, how much easier it is to use control. <laughs> the control key is in the right place. It's where you pinch. So glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I actually, funny enough, after we'd even you know um, set this up um, and I'd done some notes, um, I saw your 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 uh, blog post about how. The command key is in the wrong place. Positioning <laughs> like, of that command key, I have to use my pinky and then like my ring finger to try and do command C. It drives yeah. me insane. It's nuts. Um, so yeah, I actually find that you know the control um, key is uh, in the right place, um, and you'll find that um, things like um, the Windows and Alt keys do the right thing as well. Um, so you use um, what the Windows or Super key, um, as it's otherwise called. Um, helps with managing your windows, as you might expect, um, your your actual desktop environment. Whereas Control and the Alt keys are used for more um, app and text-based stuff, um, and and driving the menus. So you don't get that confusion like you do with Command key in macOS, where it's it's just used for everything, um, and it's you get a real clash in uh, shortcuts. Um, so um, otherwise. Um, you'll find that um, you'll be able to get all the software you need from your distro's built-in um, like App Center, basically, or it's like software store. Um, so it's, as I said before, Windows and macOS, you know, uh, in the last few years have had their own app stores. It's, it's built into Linux. It's like the way people have done it uh, forever. Um, so if you're looking for anything, start there. Start at the App Center or Software Store. If you struggle to find something that you like there, there's plenty of websites that you can search um, to find the software um, or tips on how to install it from your, your repo through Apt or um, whatever the uh, RPM equivalent or so on is. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. The other, the other thing that I would, would say to people, and, and this was said to me when I switched, is is if you aren't already comfortable with the command line, especially if you're coming from a Windows environment, become comfortable with the command line. It is daunting in the beginning, um, but a lot of activity in, in, a, in a Linux environment can be done and 
done much quicker once you're comfortable installing applications on the command line or you know viewing logs and those kind of things. Um, it 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 is you know if you're coming from a Mac environment, you as, as a developer you're probably used to using your terminal. Um, but if you're coming from Windows, you're probably unless you're you know using something like WSL or or something like Docker, you, you're probably not used to using the terminal a lot, and so that can be quite daunting. Um, but just get used to some of the basic things like running updates, um, installing applications. Um, when you install some third-party application, often it's just a case of adding the repository link and then installing the software. Um, so, so getting comfortable in that environment um, is, for me was was a big thing that, that made my life a lot easier. Yeah, it's uh, true. I mean, while while Linux you don't need to use the command line if if you don't really don't want to, it is it's it's the hidden you know it's the secret source for Linux really a good powerful. Um, Linux command line, which is part of the reason why you might want to use it as a developer when you're using the server and using the command line all the time anyway. Having it on the desktop, perfect. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Ian, thank you so much. It was great to chat to you about this. Um, you know, I would also add that joining joining Delicious Brains and discovering that there was another Linux user in the company was, was also really great. Um, I've bugged you for a few questions now because you've got a, a much more storied history with Linux than I do. So it's been great having having you to chat to and now being able to share this experience. Um, I, I, you know, this is a conversation that will only be really be interesting to somebody who's considering switching. Um, and I would just say to that person, as Ian has said, give it a try, give it a bash. Um, if you if you get stuck, um, I'm not going to speak for you, Ian, but I will say you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter if you get stuck and ask me for help, and I'll try and help you if I can. Um, you know, yeah, uh, same here. Find, cool. Find people around you um, who are using Linux or have used Linux, um, and and sort of build that community because that does help. Um, if you, Ian, if folks want to find you on Twitter, where can they where can they get hold of you, and, and where can they find your your best your favorite uh, Linux app? <laughs> yeah, so on Twitter, I'm Ian M Jones. Um, and you can find Snippet Pixie at snippetpixie.com or, you know, just Snap uh, Snap Store is there. Or if you're on elementary. Oh, you got it on the it? Snap Store? Yeah, it is in Snap. Yeah, it's oh, been snapped nice. up. Um, and cool. it's in the um, elementary app store as well. So, awesome. yeah. Awesome. But yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on this podcast. It was great. No problem. It's been good to chat to you.